Welcome to the Dive Podcast presented by Willamette Week. I'm your host, Hank Sanders. Each week, we tackle a different issue that's uniquely Portland. So tune in every Saturday to hear a new episode complete with interviews and editorial that helps explain our city. From Portland's leading paper comes a brand new way to engage with the news, sports, arts, and culture. Stick around. Welcome back to the Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Tank Sanders. Thank you so much for joining us today on this August 28th for episode 35 of the podcast presented by Willamette Week. Thank you again for joining. We have a great episode for you. We are joined by Willamette Week reporter Sophie Peel, who is here to discuss her cover story with us, field some questions, talk about the issues. So we'll get to that. But before that, let's go over the headlines, everything that's happened, everything Everything you got to know, Portland-related news. This is the 90-second news flash. Well, folks, Oregon is growing up. With an increase in our population, we are now getting a sixth seat in the U.S. House of Representatives, and this is leading to some turf wars as Oregon Democrats are thought to be scheming ways to redraw the congressional districts to allow them to gerrymander their way into that sixth seat. Willamette Week editor Aaron Mesh included this quote from a Portland pollster when writing this article, quote, I assume the standard Willamette Week reader doesn't like gerrymandering and wants to get five Democrats in the U.S. House. Those two things are incompatible, unquote. So I guess gerrymandering is the way forward for the Democrats to get that seat, whether you like it or not. Willamette Week has been following who will be running for governor in the upcoming gubernatorial race. When New York Times reporter Nick Kristoff was thought to be pondering a run, our paper not only broke that story, but also questioned whether Kristoff would be able to run due to the fact that he has lived and voted in New York for some time. Kristoff's lawyer, however, Misha Isaac, the lawyer's name, shot back with a 15-page opinion on why Kristoff is legally able to run for governor. Look, as a college student and a part-time journalist, you don't write 15 pages for nothing. Also, I'm sure Misha has a very nice retainer uh, and is charging a pretty penny for his labor. This dude is running. Kristoff, whatever you like to say, the dude's running. 15 pages, not for nothing. In other news, Portland Community College will wait until September to make their final decision on whether to require every student and employee to get vaccinated for the fall classes. People close to the decision said that one main reason for not mandating the vaccine earlier is the idea that this mandate might punish lower income students. Portland police held a standoffish approach to Proud Boy rallies this weekend, last weekend actually. Despite the mayor asking everyone to, quote, choose love, Proud Boys clashed with anti-fascist left-wing groups. There was a brawl. Proud Boys shot paint gun bullets out of moving trucks. It was quite a fiasco. Read more about all of these stories and everything else going on in our city at wweek.com. This has been the Nice Second News Flash. When did I forget how to hold my own head? Still can't understand. Why did I stop seeking my own company? Must have thought it was useless to me. I need a break, I might take a 
We now turn to our story of the week. This revolves around the cover story written by Sophie Peel. Willamette Week has a lot of very interesting, almost quirky traditions, and one such tradition is covering who in Portland is using the most water. Sophie took a look at the 20 biggest water bills in the state and brought our attention to the 20 people who are freely watering their lawns, yards, and pools despite our city and state facing the severe impacts of global warming. Now, these 20 individuals who are using the most water in our city are called hydro hogs. So this interview is all about the hydro hogs and the article surrounding these 20 individuals. Here is my interview with Sophie Peel. Enjoy. So Sophie, tell me why does Willamette Week put time into reporting on who is using the most water in our city and what do we have to gain from that? Um, you know, it's always been a bit of a controversial issue. Um, I think we do it for a few different reasons. I mean, it's largely like symbolic, I think, of, of the haves versus the have-nots in Portland. Um, I mean, Portland itself is not in a drought. We're not anywhere close to being in a drought. We haven't been in one, you know, for decades. So we definitely get a lot of criticism um, from people saying, you know, we're just shaming the wealthy, you know, about a resource that we don't even have a shortage of. But Again, I think it, it's just sort of emblematic of, uh, you know, how there's a certain echelon of Portland's wealthy that, you know, while most of the state is like burning and brown is, you know, has beautiful lush gardens and water features. And um, yeah, so I, you know, again, I think it's 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 largely symbolic of sort of um, the, the increasing wealth disparity um, in Portland and everywhere. So Willamette Week and, and you and your essay, you call these people hydro hogs, which is clever, um, a little alliteration there. Um, but I feel like other than shaming these people of like, you know, look at, you know, the people at the top who are using the most water, look at how much they're spending on water, you know, kind of a little bit of public shaming. Do you feel like the state should be doing more to penalize people who are using waters in the hundreds of thousands of gallons? Mm -hmm. You know, I actually asked the Water Bureau that, like, is is there any instance in which you, in, in which there would be like a benefit to, you know, putting a cap on how much water people can use or charging people more? So they actually do have um, uh, like a titrated system. So people who use, um, you know, zero to 100 CCLs, which is sort of a, a common measurement, it means like a certain amount of gallons, they they pay like a smaller amount. And then once you get over 100 CCL, it actually raises the price. So there is sort of a titrated system. And then the Water Bureau, you know, takes that money and puts it towards whatever they put it towards. But, you know, I asked them, like, is if, if we did cap the amount of water in Portland that people could use, like, is there a way we could reroute that to Southern Oregon? And they're like, no, it's it's a, it's a pretty localized thing. Um, so, and, and, you know, maybe they, maybe there are things that they just didn't want to expand upon or that they didn't really want to entertain, you know, because this is their system that they've created. Um, but from what I understand, it's not like we could necessarily, you know, take extra water and reroute it to other places in the state that, that needed it. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I will say these people, the more they use, the more they pay. What are people doing with a hundred, with hundreds of thousands of gallons of water, where are they putting some people with a million gallons of water a year? So, I mean, you know, going to these areas, like there were pretty much two clusters of, of places where these houses were, it was like in the West Hills and then in Dunthorpe. Um, and most of them are like, you know, an, an acre and a half to like three or four acres. Um, everything is 
pristinely green. So it's a lot of lawn watering. I saw a lot of, you know, automated sprinklers. Um, and then there's, you know, a, I mean, most of these are like very, um, not contrived, that's not the right word, but you know, these are hyper-planned gardens, like bushes are perfectly placed and they have seven different types of trees that are, you know, done in a geometric fashion. And pretty much everyone has some sort of water feature. Most people have a pool. I mean, everything is just lush and green and intricate and so well kept. I mean, there was only one place that was like, this was kind of in shambles, but that was a bit of an anomaly. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're just, they are little oases of, of green. Yeah. Is there a thinking that in five, six years, there will be a shortage of water in Portland? Because I know that climate change has been hitting people, I think, faster and harder than we ever imagined. So is there a day where this could actually prove problematic, where the people who can afford to have a lot of water will continue to, but people in Portland who can't afford will be priced out of water? Uh, I, I don't think in Portland that is an imminent concern. Um, you know, the Bull Run Reservoir, which we get our water from, like we are very well served by um, the Willamette and the Columbia. So we sort of have like this confluence of, of, you know, water that a lot of other places don't have. Like we are kind of flush with water. Um, I didn't ask the Portland Water Bureau specifically about that, but I, I don't think it's a concern that in any, you know, at any time. And like, I don't, maybe that's just for the next decade or so, like 50 years from now, who knows? Um, but right now I don't think running out of water in Portland is a, is a grave concern. You mentioned a few people who made the list have made the list in the past. When you talk to them, did they, did they make it seem like it was a little bit of like a badge of honor, like kind of thumbing your nose at, uh, at Willamette week in the way that they, uh, that they remade the list, maybe even in the top fives a couple times? Um, no, I think there was only one person on the list who just seemed like a little tickled by the fact that they <laughs> made the list again. Everyone else, I mean, you know, the, the, it kind of ran the gamut of responses. I, we had repeat offenders who were just defensive. I think they kind of, you know, as soon as I said, Hey, I'm caught, you know, I'm calling with Willamette week, um, you know, about the top 20 and they like, some of them even cut me off and were like, Oh, great. You know, I think some, some were like kind of resigned to being on the list. I got quite a few people who like thought we had stopped doing this five years ago um, uh, anyways, I think it's, um, yeah, it, it ran the gamut of, of responses and some people were resigned. Some people were offended. Some people just, you know, were savvy enough to say, I don't have a comment. Um, anyways, yeah. What surprised you the most about writing this article? Um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm very uncomfortable with like, confrontation <laughs> and yeah. usually and that's kind of an issue I think with me as a reporter is I have to get over that and I've gotten better about it but I like I don't know I like getting along with people I don't like having uncomfortable conversations and you know usually with articles I have to have uncomfortable conversations with like two or three people and in this case it was like 20 people and so I think just the magnitude of like discomfort <laughs> that I received was um I don't know if it was surprising. I knew it was going to happen. I, I guess the most surprising thing is number four, number three, number four on the list, uh, Ralph Shaw. He's like a former venture capitalist, big real estate mogul. And um, his wife, 
you know, Ellie Shaw got on the phone with me and like promptly asked me to go see their property and hang out with them. And, you know, she even off, like I got there and, you know, she offered me beverages and we talked for like an hour. I mean, it was, she was so, she was proud of her garden. I wouldn't say she was like proud of being on the list, but she, I don't think she was really phased by it, but it was, it was a really wonderful response. Like it was just sort of a breath of fresh air, you know, between all the other responses that were not, um, we're not happy to hear from me. <laughs> yeah. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about a different story that you have been working on or have published articles on. And that is about the recall effort around Mayor Wheeler. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks like they aren't going to get their signatures that they were put in, that they were expecting or hoping to get. Uh, what do you have to say about that? What's your viewpoint on that recall effort? Is it going to, is it going to fall flat? The recall Mayor Wheeler? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't, I think at the rate at which they're collecting signatures. I mean, I don't remember how many days they have left, but like, I mean, there's just no way I, but whenever that was two or three weeks, well, it was probably two weeks ago, you know, I reported on the fact that they had gotten one eighth of the necessary signatures, you know, a third of the way through or almost half of the way through. I mean, I think at this rate, like, again, there's a, you know, there's a very strong correlation between the amount of money raised by a recall effort and the, you know, chance of success at the recall effort actually, you know, being successful and getting on the ballot. Like that's a very, you know, it is, I mean, I don't know how rare it is that, you know, a a recall effort actually succeeds if it doesn't have the funding behind it, but, you know, paid signature gatherers are paid. And so they have more of an incentive to be aggressive about getting signatures. And most of Recall Wheeler, most of those people are volunteer signature collectors, which just don't have the same like kind of fire under their ass to like get signatures. Um, so anyways, I I think the trajectory of it right now, I think it's in- incredibly unlikely, but I don't know, I guess stranger things have happened. So who knows? Grateful for the little things I love Early in morning light And you don't think about the goodbye stuff Remember someday might come soon Some days when I wanna hold your hand I wonder if you're dreaming too Of all those days we used to Well, folks, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening to episode 35 of the Dive Podcast. We will see you next week for episode 36. Till then, take care, stay safe. For Lamb a Week, I'm Hank Sanders. This has been the Dive Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Dive Podcast, presented by Willamette Week. For more information on this podcast or the biggest stories in Portland, go to wweek.com and follow Willamette Week on all socials. We're doing some really cool things related to the podcast on our Instagram and Twitter. Includes giveaways, behind the scenes, etc. A lot of cool things coming your way, so give those a follow. Special thanks to our guests for joining us, and thank you to Aaron Mesh, Mark Zussman, and Brian Panganibon, as well as the entire Willamette Week family. Last but not least, thank you so much to Heather Witty and AmpMusic.co for the music that you hear on this podcast. For Willamette Week, I'm Hank Sanders. This has been The Dive Podcast. Dive Podcast.